And what are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, part two with Sully Baseball. Yesterday on the podcast, we looked at National League teams that made the playoffs and then made cases for why those teams won't make the playoffs in 2023. Going to continue that on today's podcast with the Braves, Padres, and Dodgers. All up next. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks to both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Now let's jump right into that podcast with Sully Baseball. All right, let's move to St. Louis, because remember St. Louis was up 2-0 going to the ninth inning of that first game of the wildcard series when they had a bizarre collapse. And suddenly the feel-good story of Albert Pujols getting back to the World Series as a Cardinal kind of sort of didn't happen. Um, They finished seven games, seven freaking games ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, And some stalwarts uh, are not coming back, like Albert Pujols and and, um, Yadier Molina. Um, They had it, obviously, uh, with Oliver Marmol, they had a solid season winning 93 games. And I think they're they're a pretty solid bet to win the division again. But lest we forget, they didn't run away with it too much last year that they, you know, they had a mediocre middle part of the summer last year. And at one point, I'm, I'm, I'm over at baseballreference.com, the single website in the history of the planet Earth. And um, they were, four, you know, they were, they trailed Milwaukee by like five games at one point. And they were not in first place by themselves until the early August. You know, lest we forget, Milwaukee was in first place for most of the season last year. Yeah, for St. Louis, to me, I just feel like they're kind of top-heavy. I'm not sure they have the overall depth of talent that I'm looking for because, of course, you got Paul Goldschmidt, who's coming off the MVP season. You got Nolan Arenado, who's another top-three guy. But you look at the rest of the lineup, does anyone really scare you? Like, Albert Pujols was kind of important to that Cardinals team last year. Like, Tyler O'Neill had a pretty down season. I'm not really scared of the Tommy Edmonds of the world. We'll see if Nolan Gorman could do it. And the same thing with the rotation. Like, Adam Wainwright, I guess he's coming back. He's like 41 years old. Miles Mikolas, I like him, but he's also a mid-30s guy. And then after those two, I guess you got Jordan Montgomery. Then you look at the bullpen. I think after your top two relievers, it gets pretty thin as well. I feel like in every phase of this Cardinals team, from lineup to rotation to bullpen, you could point to two to three really high-end level players at those certain spots in those teams. And then the rest of the depth, I think it's just overall kind of weak. So I think this Cardinals team is too top-heavy. And if one of those 
guys like a Goldschmidt, a Wainwright, maybe one of their top relievers gets hurt. I think it would be a huge blow to this Cardinals team. I don't think they have the depth to withstand injury. Yeah, in fact, remind me, you did, it was either last week or the week before, you and I were talking about which team has their the budding core four. Mm-hmm. And I brought up St. Louis because they have, you know, the they have goals. They have the top two MVP, you know, uh, finalists last year. Um, but then you're right. It was off a cliff yeah. after that. that. To use a Diamondbacks analogy, it was Johnson and Schilling and, ooh, who's ooh. Uh, Albi Lopez? Ooh, uh, wow. Oh, Batista? Uh, the, did I mention uh, Did I mention Johnson and Schilling? Um, you know, you're right. You have your two MVPs there. And we're also going to see what the Molina effect is. Because mm-hmm. Molina has been there since called third strike on Carlos Beltran. The glue. Okay. And he has actually been there early. He was actually a reserve catcher in the 04 pennant winner in the 05 uh, team that went to the NLCS. But he's been their glue behind the plate since 2006. And he's no longer, he's not going to be there now. And the Cardinals have had a revolving door of solid pitchers who magically seem to pitch well whenever they arrive in St. Louis. And we're going to see how much of that was Yadier Molina. And, you know, this is a team that, you know, save for the stars at the top, are sort of, you know, held together by yarn and glue. Um, We'll see, especially if we see that, you know, I know I've said this already, but Milwaukee was the team for most of the year. And then they gave up. So we'll see. We'll see how they get themselves together. All right, let's move on to, okay, we've done Philadelphia. We've done the two kind of easier ones. Now we got LA, San Diego, uh, Atlanta, and New York. Let's do the Mets right now. Um, what's going to keep the Mets from making the postseason and causing the entire borough of Queens to uh, have a mental breakdown? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer for the Mets, it just has to be age, right? Your two frontline starters are arguably the two best in Major League Baseball, but they're mm-hmm. also both 40 years old. And we've seen Max Scherzer last season in and out the lineup with injury. Even Justin Verlander, he had a fantastic season, but there was, what, a month that he did miss, a month and a half, and he's not that far removed from Tommy John surgery. So both of these two dudes, despite them being, like, the oldest pitchers in baseball, are still at the peak of their game somehow, but they're also, at any point, their knees could just go at them. Like, they're at that, they're at that age where at any point they could wake up and their knee is just bad. They just can't walk anymore. So I think it just has to be age with that rotation when it comes to the Mets, because I think their lineup will be fine. I think their lineup could sustain injury. I mean, we're going to see Edwin Diaz out, so we'll see how big of that blow it is to the bullpen. But I think it has to be the rotation because the rotation is probably the strength of the Mets last season with their depth. And then they lost some depth this season. And they lost maybe the heartbeat of that rotation, Jacob DeGrom. But you replaced him with Verlander. But Verlander's old, and he's not injury-prone, but he can miss some time. Scherzer as well. And then we'll see what happens if one of those two dudes do get hurt. They got the guy from overseas, Senga. We'll see. He's a huge X factor in that rotation. But right. I think it has to be age and injury concerns with the two Scherzers and Verlanders of the world. We say that Verlander's not injury-prone, yet he missed the entire 2020 and 2021 season. He combined for one game in those. Now, he bookended it with Cy Young seasons. Um, yeah, that's it's, pretty, that's pretty nice. you know, But you've already seen – look, at the year Diaz had last year, 
I mean, can we just appreciate he struck out 118 batters in uh, 62 innings? That's okay? incredible. That's yep. nearly two strikeouts an inning. He also walked 18 batters all year. Okay. Uh, he let up nine runs all year. Yeah. I think the save doesn't tell us anything because I don't know if it's a one run game or a three run game, but his ERA was 1.13. I mean, not, he only, and he threw with great control. Like, I mean, notice I, I noticed 18 walks in 62 innings. So you want a good strikeout to walk ratio, 118 strikeouts to 18 walks. That's not bad, but also two wild pitches and two hit by batters two hit by pitches. So he, he throws, he comes out and just throws strikes with a trumpeter and they, they're going to have to deal with that. Jose Quintana is injured. We're not sure what we're going to get from him. You know, DeGrom is gone. Obviously Scherzer and Verlander could be the best one, two punch we've seen since Johnson and Schilling. If they can reach back and each give us one more a season, but you saw even by the end of the year and trust me, Scherzer had a wonderful year last year. He made 23 starts. He pitched 145 innings, and he looked kind of sort of gassed against San Diego. Yeah, he didn't look good in the playoffs. No, and, and he's he's a year older. And so time is undefeated. <laughs> oh, and I haven't the, heard that one before. The, uh, the <laughs> you know, the, the path for the Mets to miss the postseason is – the look at I we don't have the rights to the Rolling Stones, but time is not on their side. No, mm. it isn't. No, it isn't. But I'll tell you, if you're going to bet against the Mets, oh, you know what? You may have to. You you may be at risk because they got so much talent on that team. And if you're going to make any bets, though, go to FanDuel. Look at the NCAA tournament is heating up, and nobody has a perfect bracket anymore. Imagine if I put all my money on, was it Farley Dickinson? I didn't really had a basketball team and they were, they, they advanced. It's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets at a larger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Go there to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite Built Bar or Puff, and now it's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the Brownie Batter Bar, and if you want the Diamondbacks to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff, and when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bars. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built Bars 
best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bars and Puffs so good? Well, for starters, they are all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Right now, to vote, for your, to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there, you can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. So many teams can go into this year with a sense of optimism saying like, Oh boy, could this be the year? Could this be the year? But as we talked about in yesterday's show, there are six playoff teams in the national league and all six seem to be destined to head and back to the playoffs. So we're trying to be not necessarily negative, but trying to see, is there a crack of the door open for some of the teams on the fringe, like the Milwaukee Brewers to be a fringe playoff team. You're going to see the, I think the Miami Marlins have the pitching and a little bit better hitting. And we're going to see any team that gets rid of Don Mattingly always does well. And maybe, dare I say it, your Arizona Diamondbacks may find a way to slither their way in to a potential October run. But in order to do that, the six gatekeepers who have locked arms we're doing that whole thing that you do when the, the penalty kick is happening in a soccer game where they all line up like that. That's what they're doing for the goal of getting to October. Now, in yesterday's show, we broke down that the St. Louis Cardinals are superstar top-heavy, but underneath that beautiful frosting is a pretty fragile cake. You saw the New York Metropolitans, who have so many superstars, so many recognizable names, and so many of them are really, really old. And maybe, just maybe, if age catches up with some of them, it's going to be a long summer in Queens. And we said to the defending National League champion Philadelphia Phillies, let's face it, they were in the playoffs last year more because of the Brewers collapsing than because the Phillies were a juggernaut down the stretch. Talk to any Phillies fan down the stretch. Phillies didn't really play inspired baseball until they absolutely stunned the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves in October. And by then, they faced the Padres, who did their stunning of their own. But they are a very fragile team who do not have their star, their, their franchise player for the first chunk of the season. So those three teams, and by the way, I'm still picking all three to get in, but that's how they could be potentially vulnerable. Just reviewing yesterday's show. Now, four, the big three. The three teams that people, well, what do we got? We got the three teams. I think a lot of people, including your pal Sully, think that all three teams are going to finish with 100 wins this year. Mm -hmm. And yet, there is a scenario that one of these three teams may be playing golf when it comes to this October. Let's go with the team that won the World Series just a couple of years ago and looked like they were stampeding their way back to the World Series last year. The Atlanta Braves, who for some reason people think I hate them because I had the audacity of saying the Mets look good. 
The Braves are going to win 100 games this year. They could win the division. They could win the World Series. Or they could have a scenario where they miss the playoffs altogether. How do you see that happening? Yeah, I'm glad we saved the Braves, Dodgers, and Padres for today because I think it's tougher to make the argument that these three teams are not going to make the postseason than the teams we discussed on yesterday's podcast because these teams just seem flawless and seem damn near perfect because the Braves have been maybe the trendsetter for how you should build your roster and your lineup going forward in the near future with locking up your young stars early. So it's hard to make an argument against the Braves to why they should make the postseason this year. But if I was to broach the topic as to why they are not making the playoffs this season, I think maybe the argument is the roster turnover actually, because when you look at this Braves team since they won the World Series. They've lost a lot of people and replaced them a lot. Like, we, of course, know the Freddie Freemans of the world, the guy who used to be the heartbeat and soul of this Atlanta Braves franchise for nearly a decade. And then you just let Dansby Swanson go this past year. But even the guys who helped win that World Series, like the Eddie Rosarios and the Jorge Solers and the Adam Duvalls, like, there's just been a lot of roster turnover with the Braves the last couple of years. And maybe it's the lack of chemistry and cohesion. You just went out there and traded for Sean Murphy this past offseason, who's a good catcher, but maybe just adding another body and talent into the team will actually be a detrimental effect. And Ronald Acuna is a stud, but there's always seems to be a little tiff for taff and a little just, you know, just, just a little tension in the air whenever we talk about Acuna and the Atlanta Braves. So maybe it's a chemistry thing that, disrupts this whole Braves franchise because it's tough to make an argument against this Braves team when you look at the talent on paper. You look at the lineup, you look at the rotation, you look at the bullpen. This team is stacked at pretty much every phase. So maybe it has to be an internal fire that destroys this thing from the inside out instead of like outside forces affecting the Braves franchise. I think you're right. I think on paper, um, Fangrass had a great point about this Braves team and that was if you go around like through like about six or seven of their positions. They're not the best at any position, but they're mm-hmm. top five at almost everyone. Yeah. And just so, deep. yeah, it, the, the depth of it. And that reminds me a little of the Joe Torre Yankees. When you saw like, for example, that 98, 99 team, you went around, you could find uh first base. Mo Vaughn was a Mo Vaughn or Frank Thomas or Rafael Palmero were better at first base than Tino Martinez, but Tino was great. Go around the, you know, Robbie Almar was a better second baseman, but Knobloch was great. You can make the case of, you know, Vizcal was a better fielder. Garcia Parr was a better hitter. A-Rod was the better all-around player, but Jeter was still great. You know, you had better outfielders like Griffey Jr., Juan Gonzalez, that were that existed out in baseball, but having an outfield that had Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill in the revolving door and left was still great. And so they, they, they had an answer at every position. And the Braves remind me of that. Is Matt Olson as great as Freddie Freeman? No. And Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman remains an MVP candidate. But because Matt Olson is still a very productive player, first base doesn't turn into a hole. Now, what could happen? Michael Harris had a wonderful rookie year. Ronald Acuna Jr. came back from his injury would be really productive. You know, you know, Austin Riley had a wonderful year. You could see you you saw the entire outfield get injured in 2021. As it happened, they responded, but you could see that you, there's this definitely a scenario where that couldn't happen. Or look up and down this lineup of the players in their 20s, 
a slump here, a slump there. Next thing you know, they're losing a bunch of two-to-one games. I don't think you could look at – I mean, their bullpen is second to none in terms of depth, Mm -hmm. but bullpens and and star relievers tend to flame out. You don't have, with very few exceptions, relievers who are super effective for 10, 11, 12 years. And, you know, Max Fried is obviously an ace – Kyle Wright had a phenomenal year last night. Year Spencer Strider was terrific, but either injury or regression to any of them could open up the door for a team to pop in. Yeah, it would have to be like a regression argument that you make for this Braves team, just because it feels like this team can sustain injury. And the two rookies that they're that, that from last year that are finished, you know, as the rookie of the year finalists, are Strider and Michael Harris, like getting a full season out of those two this year. And if there's any sort of you talk about regression, but if there's any sort of progression from those two players where they just get five percent better, three percent better. And you get a full season off of both of those guys, because as rookies, they look like all star level players. I mean, Michael Harris was already a 2020 player in just 115 games. Spencer Strider looked freaking dominant. The 20 starts he had. If you get 30 starts on Spencer Strider, where he's like three percent better and 150 games out of Michael Harris, where he's like three percent better. This Braves team might add two more all stars to the all star game this year and it's probably a lot more likely that they win 115 games and they win just 85 games or go 500 yeah i gotta say when, when we we're when we we're trying to figure this out the the braves was the single hardest one and by the way keep in mind people who say i've been hating on the braves i just finished saying uh i i think the braves are the single biggest lock of the you know of any of the returning postseason teams and i can tell you one thing right here now uh snickers job is so so safe the braves don't have to be looking for a new manager they don't need to send out any resumes for the managerial position in atlanta and by the way when it comes down to hiring these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job, put on the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find quality candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash, you like the slash there, slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions, of course, apply. We're uh, seeing the glass half empty for surefire teams in the postseason. Um, let's go to LA mm. because LA has uh, LA has had since the ownership has taken over since 2013. There's only been one year where the Dodgers didn't finish in first place, and you kind of sort of have to put a caveat on that because they won 106 games that year. 
They won 106 games in their wild card year where they finished one game behind San Francisco and then wound up check swinging their way past San Francisco and getting to game six of the NLCS that year. So the Dodgers are on a roll. The Dodgers obviously are a team that has, you know, great depth, obviously has a team that uh, has a World Series or bust mentality. They got to win another World Series for this run to answer the questions. I thought I thought they were going to stampede their way to the World Series last year. Then again, I also thought they were going to win in 2019. So basically, whenever I praise the Dodgers, get yourself to fan duel and bet against them because I've done something to them. But the Dodgers are going to go into this year as the defending National League West champions and seeing that they really felt like they deserved to win the 2018 World Series are doing everything in their power to sign as many Red Sox from the 2018 World Series so they can at least say, hey, maybe we did win it through osmosis. Oddly, a bunch of those Dodgers are now in Boston. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. But let's uh, think of flipping and flopping, flip, flop, flipping. Let's go through why won't the Dodgers make it to the playoffs for the first time since 2012 well i think it's two things i think it's like the atlanta braves a little bit of a talent drain or like the roster turnover and i also think it's just natural decline when you look at this dodgers team who has been at the pinnacle the peak for the last decade or whatever running the nos maybe it's just time for basically the whole clay and kershaw era they've been at the top and now we can start to see the end of the Kershaw experience as he gets older. And as he gets older, I think the time for the Dodgers is starting to dwindle down. It's time to start the sunset for the Dodgers because we know Clayton Kershaw is a little bit older, going to be 35, still producing at a very high level. But for some of these Dodgers, like the Max Muncy's of the world, I think you're starting to see the decline, maybe even the Chris Taylor's. Like these guys are entering their early 30s. You're going to have Clayton Kershaw another year older. And then you look at some of the players, like the Dodgers had a lot of players leaving free agency this past mm-hmm. offseason from the Turners, the Bellingers, the Chris Martins, the Tyler Andersons, the Andrew Heaney's, the Trey Turners. Like they've had so much talent leave. Not this, not just this offseason, but the past offseasons with the Max Scherzers of the world and the Manny Machados of the world. Like there's been a lot of talent to leave the Dodgers the last few years. Now, of course, they also add talent with the Freddie Freemans and the Mookie Betts of the world, but they are slowly getting older. Guys are going to start to enter decline, if not already like the Max Muncy's of the world. And we also can't forget, they're also entering the season kind of injured. Like, there's no Walker Bueller for this upcoming season, which will be a major hit to this team. The Trevor Bauer story, of course, off the field, whatever. Like, that was someone you're bringing in to be a major part of your rotation. That is just not going to be there anymore. So there has been a significant talent drain, I think, from this Dodgers team the last three years. I think they've gone older, and I think they've got some players that are just starting to enter their decline with some of their young guys, like the Walker Buehlers of the world, being hurt already and missing this upcoming season. I think it's a whole combination of things as to why the Dodgers are not going to be good. I think their overall ceiling has just taken back two to three notches. I think uh, here's what I really agree with you on. Um, I think we're going to see what the the importance of Trey Turner was on the team. Um, you remember, like, a year or so ago, they lost Corey Seager. And mm-hmm. now they've, yeah, lost, they've lost Justin Turner. And they've lost Cody Bellinger. They lost a lot of the players who were key parts mm-hmm. of those teams. And Jock Peterson. 
you know, and yeah, exactly. And we're, we're used to, you, you're going to find out how important some of those players were when you start playing the game of Jenga of removing the key members of the team. Um, but the major, major point you make, this is, you know, Urias is going to have to be the ace of the staff. You don't know what you're going to get out of Kershaw and anything you get out of Kershaw is just almost a bonus. You already saw Bu- the injury to Bueller, the injury to Tony Gonsolin. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is already a team who did not make the big, huge splash. They brought in pieces, you know, and, and you know, J.D. Martinez and a couple other players who so they bring in. Great train. You know, Peralta, you know, there's the, there's some good, you know, good, you know, quality better. players. But you don't have that one spark plug. And, you know, Gavin Lux is out for probably, what, the yeah. year, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, so done, some of those young players that they were hoping were going to be blossoming this year. Because remember, Lux had a terrible uh, start to the season. He actually finished the season quite well. Thing. Oh, no, it was actually kind of the odd well, he, he His stats didn't show <laughs> how good a year he actually had. And as it turns out, we're never going to find out what he's going to do this year because he's, you know, he's, he's done. And so the fragility of the veterans, I think, is the biggest argument against Los Angeles. I still think Los Angeles is going to win. I still think they have enough talent to win. And I also think that if they don't win the division, and right now I'm not picking them to win the division, but I still think that even a regression to the, you know, the low 90s, high 80s is probably enough to still make the postseason. Um it does make them very vulnerable. This is a very vulnerable team. And this is the most vulnerable team I've seen on the Dodgers since, since the new ownership showed up. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day the Locked On MLB Fantasy Show with Matt and Dom, who will keep you up to date with all your fantasy baseball news, strategies, and analysis throughout the entire season. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.